0: Welcome in. It's the Lions 24-7 post-game podcast, the first of uh, several that we hope to bring you this season. Live from Beaver Stadium, Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz, and Sean, Scoreboard still on. It's still functioning. It's got a lot of usage. 79-7 to Penn State, Wallops, Idaho in the opener. We've got a lot to break down, but clearly a nice day for the Nittany Lions masses who showed up to Beaver Stadium hoping to see some signs of uh, positivity from a young crew. Yeah, and they got signs
1: of everyone. I mean, there was a, a lot of players played. I don't I don't have the uh, exact number in front of me, but there was a lot of young guys that have played, and it just all across the board, I mean, I'm not sure what you can take away from this because the talent gap was just completely evident on both sides of the ball. Penn State, of course, kind of scored at will and, and, and really broke the Idaho offense as well. So, not sure what you can take away from it, but, I mean,
0: 79 points. It's, it's tough to find uh, Tough to find some downfalls in that. And, you know, I, I hate to put it on Mac Hippenhammer, but you kind of can because he, he muffs that punt. He actually fumbled a couple of those punt returns in, in relief duty of K.J. Hamler and Jahan Dotson there at punt, punt returner, and, and that led to a, a short drive and a touchdown for Idaho. Easily could have been a, a shutout situation. I think the defense can still probably chalk a lot of this up as a shutout situation, Seven sacks for the defense, but uh, so they didn't quite hit the seven and a half that I set. I think they'll still take the performance, but you got to talk about the offense, Sean. The numbers are staggering. 79 points, quite frankly, sounds like a basketball score, and that is the most points Penn State has scored since they put up 81 against Cincinnati back in 1991. 673 total yards, 331 passing. 342 rushing, and a number that really stood out after I read those ones: 35 first downs today.
1: Yeah, it's it's insane, really. And I think the other day on the podcast, I scoffed at getting to the 81 point from the 1991 uh, win over Cincinnati, and they were just about there, and they probably could have done it if they would tried. And that takes me to another point: uh, running up the score. Really has gone away. And like in college football, it doesn't really matter anymore. You're trying to get your guys. Uh, you know, Will Levis played a bunch in the second half. You're trying to get those guys out there, get them game scenario reps, and points are going to happen, especially when you're that much better than your team. So, you know, if you're complaining about running up the score, I mean, college football might might not be your thing. So, um, it, it, it's it sucks to see Idaho go out of here with a 72 point loss. But at the end of the day. They take 1.4 million back to uh, Moscow, Idaho. So, I mean, it pays for itself.
0: And if you didn't enjoy watching Nick Urey do his best Mike Allstott impression en route to the end zone for that touchdown, that, that push it to 79, then you don't appreciate what college athletics are about. Because, you know, this isn't going to be a style points kind of thing. This is a team that needs game reps. Will Levis needed those game reps. Uh, Weston Carr even, as a grad transfer, a guy who's 22, 23 years old, he needs to be out there understanding what, what it's like to play in Beaver Stadium, what it's like to play with his teammates. I think a big part of it was being able to look across the field and really understand that, okay, he's accountable, I can be accountable. A lot of guys have just not been on the field together.
1: That's been, the, the I guess, the critique for this team, is there's so much talent but not enough experience. I mean, this is where the experience is going to come. I mean, I'm sorry for a 72-point win, but this is where the experience is going to come. Nearly a point per play. Uh, that's an interesting stat that I don't think we've ever been able to throw out there. 673 to- yards of total offense, 331 passing, 342 rushing. A couple of small things here. Just three penalties. And that's not something you would expect with that many young players out there. Just three penalties. James Franklin also mentioned after the game they won the special teams battle, which I think they, you know, they won the field position battle, which you can chalk up to special teams outside of the hip and hammer fumble there in in the fourth quarter. You know, that was really a one-sided thing. And I know I have him down here at the bottom of the rundown, but Jordan Stout was phenomenal. The the transfer kicker, how Virginia Tech managed to not give him a spot or give him a scholarship... I mean that's that's crazy when you when you look at what he did. I think 13 touchbacks today is that, is that the stat? Yep. Uh, yeah, he was he was fantastic. But uh, we're gonna start with the offense. Start with Sean Clifford's first start, and he started slow. I mean, there's there's no real question about that. Penn State came out, gave him a good field position to work with. Um, he had some questionable decisions in the in the RPO game, and, and you know that that's. To be expected, probably could have given the ball to Ricky Slade. I think he would have walked in. the. I think Ricky turned around in the end zone <laughs> yeah. being like, what, what's going on here? But um, took some lumps in the first couple of drives. Penn State got a couple of field goals. Then he started getting into a groove. He really start, started rolling. And that's because he started to find K.J. Hamler.
0: Yeah, he said he was very transparent about the, about that with, with K.J. And, and that helped calm him down because those nerves were there. And Sean told us on the practice field Wednesday He didn't know how he was going to react, and he's a guy who's been that creature of habit. He he tries to treat everything like a work week, and he's always saying QB1, QB1, but it's got to be a little bit different when you walk into Beaver Stadium in that role. You hear that ovation when your name is announced, and obviously they're in the locker room, but just in general, I think him walking around campus day-to-day is different than it was last year. He's going to get approached by people. He's going to have a celebrity status uh, at a big university now because he's a starting quarterback, and he said it, about halfway through the first quarter, he really, that all went away, and, and you don't know if it'll come back for him. There's going to be much bigger test here under the lights in Beaver Stadium and beyond, but uh, a learning experience for him, and he finishes the day 14 of 23, 280 yards, a couple of touchdowns, no turnovers. That's a big deal. Uh, there was an exchange issue at one point, which we, we thought could possibly pop up with new running backs and a new quarterback also, out of those 57 yards, I don't know if you heard this, Sean, but he's a little more athletic than people give him credit for. That is the first time we've heard <laughs> that here. Uh, Will Levis
1: came in for the second half, 11 of 14, 62 yards and a touchdown. He threw a really nice ball to Nick Bowers that was, was not caught, and Bowers probably couldn't have gotten there, but you saw the arm strength. You saw him, you know, some of the things that we've talked about with him over the last couple of months. Is he can he can really put that ball out there? So not enough to take away from Levis. And then Michael Schuster came in, finished the job. Five running backs scoring touchdowns today. Slade, the starter. I guess the, the the worst day out of them. Five carries for nine yards. He had he had the touchdown. Really didn't get many opportunities after the first couple of drives. Journey Brown came in. He had two touchdowns today. Went for five carries for thirty-eight yards. And a guy that uh, you know you and I've been talking up a bunch, uh, Devin Ford, true freshman out of Virginia. He had six carries, 107
0: yards, and a touchdown, and an 81-yard touchdown. It looked very, very good. Tip of the cap to Des Holmes at left tackle on that play. Cleared a lot of space for Devin to work with. And then Justin Shorter. He didn't really. It was good on Justin Shorter not to throw a block he didn't need to at the end too, because it, you can see those penalties sometimes. He was the escort downfield. But what a moment for Devin Ford to experience. And I talked to Tariq Castro Fields um, after this game, and, and he said he, you know, he told Devin. He said it's just like high school. You were you were a star in high school. Take the same approach. It'll happen. It'll pay off. And it didn't have to wait long uh, for that to happen. And, and, and then Noah Cain scores a couple touchdowns. And it was a really nice performance, obviously, for for one Sider's crew. And uh, But I also go back. I mean, I'm going to go back to the three penalties thing that you mentioned because everyone we're talking about, this is like debuts. You had guys like Salim Wormley on the football field late. Um, I just really wanted to shed light on that. That is a staggering number. For all the big numbers we're talking about, that little one, I didn't even notice it until you just pointed that out. That that is really quite impressive, I have to say, considering all the variables and unknown commodities you have on the football field together.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's something that that really is is above expectations for them. I mean, you 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 would think the fall starts, or you know, maybe somebody grabs, you know, maybe not used to the speed, somebody grabs a a defender, but uh, they were just so much better than them, and and they 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 cleaned it up and played very well. So yeah. Um, Moving on, Nick Yuri, our dude that you just Nick talked Ury. about, the walk-on uh, from Northeast PA, uh, had six carries for 44 yards, capped it with a touchdown, and they went freaking crazy when he scored that touchdown. So, you know, that's one of those things college football is about. It's uh, it was great to see. I mentioned Ford's 81-yard touchdown run, I think the longest run since uh, Saquon was here. Uh, that, was, that was very, very good. This kid is phenomenally talented. Can't wait to see how he grows. And I wanted to isolate shorter on that play because – Justin Shorter ran him, basically ran him down, and got uh, not a, he didn't he did a very good job of not blocking somebody in the back, but yep. he got his arms up, got in front of the defender, and the last defender that could possibly catch Devin Ford was out of the play. And I talked to somebody on the field afterward. Shorter came to the sideline, James Franklin got up in his face and said, "That is what we need you to do. That is what we want you to do." He said it probably a little more colorful, mm-hmm. uh, a little more colorfully than sure. than that. Um, but uh, I think. That's the thing that you want to see out of Justin Shorter as he gets comfortable. He had three catches. He looked good doing it. It was good to see him get out there and get that start. Uh, Thirteen receivers in all caught a pass today. Um, that's uh, the breaking it up. I think three running backs caught passes, three tight ends, and the rest were were wideouts. Uh, touchdown for Brenton Strange as a tight end um, as well. But KJ Hamler was—he looked like you need him to look in a game like this where they're so much better than the opposition. He did not disappear, 159 all-purpose yards, was targeted four times, caught four uh, four balls, and had two touchdowns.
0: And showed that leadership, and then pulling Sean Clifford aside and, and and saying, hey, you're Sean Clifford, you're meant to be in this kind of spot, go be who you are, and I think that's huge, because we heard something similar with KJ last year about him not being himself in the first half of the Appalachian State game. He turned on the Jets, he came up huge in that first game of his college career against App State, they probably lose that game if he doesn't step up there late, now around, you know, third-year guys in this team, they're leaders. I mean, we're talking about second-year guys like Pat Fryermuth and P.J. Muster. Those are the kind of guys that they're giving us in the media room now. I mean, we just had a bunch of second-year players and, and, and guys who have sophomore status. So that's what this team is all about. And, again, that's why I think it's very impressive to see them come out, regardless of who they're playing, play clean game and, and play a game where they just look like they were having fun the entire time. That's a very important aspect, too. 21 targets for wide
1: receivers, 16 catches um don't don't really remember a glaring drop journey brown had one i know that but uh you know based off of what we saw last year this is uh looked to be a step one improvement now you expect them to go out and look like that against idaho we'll see what happens when buffalo comes to town next week but receivers uh as far as it goes step one did a, did a good job
0: not a ball on the ground uh that, that I, I mean among that group as you said and from game one on last year it was just every single game it was you were kind of anticipating it and i will say you mentioned justin shorter going down the field with devin ford in that touchdown run I kind of observed there was consistent effort and, and good blocking. Uh, Jahan Dotson out there giving it his best. Mac Hippenhammer came up big this spring. Pat Fryermuth on, on a pass completion. And, and I think overall, you know, a really nice effort from that group. That You weren't seeing them heavily involved late in the game, obviously. But the first two pass completions that, that, that Clifford did put out there, both to Justin Shorter. So the momentum, uh, ego, all important of what we said with Justin Shorter. So I think that, that's a great way to get it rolling in game one.
1: And the offensive line can't really take much away from this one. Uh, they look fine. I mean, I don't think there was anything. You know, it, t- it looked like it took them a little bit to get in rhythm, but they played a lot of guys. They played three tackles. They played three guards. Um, and, then of course, as as the game was, as the score ran up, they, they threw some other guys in there. So not much to uh, not much to take away from that without looking at the tape. But Idaho's interior defensive line, they were big. I mean, they were big. They were You know, legitimate Big Ten big, now that not as talented as some of the teams that they're going to go against, but good test for for guys like Gonzalez and Miranda and C.J. Thorpe and Michael Mennett. So, I mean, I don't know what you can take away from this from an offensive line standpoint, but, I mean, it wasn't the glaring weakness that maybe, you know, we've seen in, in past uh, season openers.
0: And from the first quarter, it was really the strategy that we anticipated. A lot of Des Holmes as the third tackle and a lot of Mike uh, Mike Miranda uh, in there as well at, at the guard positions. And, and you know, something interesting that Michael Menett said after this game, he said that C.J. Thorpe motivates him uh, to go and finish plays at, at a continuous pace. And that's what I was kind of beating the drum on C.J. Thorpe the entire offseason about that possibility and I think it showed up today. Obviously I don't wanna to read too much of into it. He was finishing blocks though. There was no doubt about it. He was out there. I will say if there's someone who who I thought really showed up today and really made their case, it was Des Holmes. We've heard about it all offseason, but it's one thing to do in the offseason versus in the game, and uh, I just was really impressed by the way he handled himself play after play, and, and, and by the way, Rashid Walker, a guy who is a first-year starter playing on both tackle positions, and, and, and that's good experience for him as well. Yeah, they think Will Fries uh, could, could play either, but Des Holmes is more comfortable on that left
1: side, so if they have to make a change in there, would not be surprised to see Holmes on the left side and, and Walker switch over to the right um, that's you know a, de- a decision for another day. Uh, else- elsewhere on the offense, James Franklin did not answer a question about Pat Fryermuth as to whether or not he could come back in after taking a pretty good shot before halftime. Uh, so that's obviously you know if you're taking away negatives from this game, you want Pat Fryermuth as healthy as he could possibly be, and it doesn't look like he's as healthy as he could possibly be. Yeah. Switching over defensively, I mean the the talent gap was just I'm, it was so evident right there. Penn State or yeah, Penn State's defensive line. Overwhelmed from the start and uh seven sacks. I think you, you put the over under at seven and a half, so just a little under on that set on that over under. But as we said about KJ Hamler, you wanted him to look dominant in this uh in this uh s- scenario. Turk Rose Matos was dominant in this scenario, didn't play a ton, but two and a half sacks, and he was always around the football.
0: No doubt about it. And, and I mean, two and a half sacks well earned, and, and, and talking to him, and you know, him and Journey Brown. Gone for the summer. That's something I'm going to write about when we're off the podcast here in a bit. Um, but both those guys, for them to come out for the summer suspensions, get back with the team on August 1st, and, and now in the opener here, August 31st, Brown with a couple touchdowns, Grossmanos with two and a half sacks, very impressive in that regard. And, and I thought defensively, you know, you saw a lot of, of, the, of the youth out there, and, and that was to be expected. But Donovan Johnson wasn't available, as we said before, because of the team rules violation suspension. So, what did that mean? Well, it meant Keaton Ellis was out there quite a bit. Keaton Ellis was also out there on special teams coverage. We saw a little bit more of Joey Porter than I was necessarily anticipating. And man, is he an interesting combination with the speed and just his general length out there to see it in full uniform, uh, covering a wide receiver downfield. And, um, you know, again, Third guy you're bringing in is Brandon Smith, who who had a couple nice licks out there. One one toward the end of the game where he dropped his shoulder and it was pretty noisy. Um, Again, it shows that you can rotate these guys in. And and meanwhile, the offense, this offensive line, whoever you're playing against, usually is going to feature five guys. And maybe you have a team like Penn State that's working in a third tackle or a third guard. Etor said it, and P.J. Musfer said it if, if, just before we came up here to record, uh, they do get the sense, and it was the same last year, but they think it can be more special, that when they get in the third quarter, they're on like first, second quarter legs, the offensive line is getting worn down. Yeah, they've got some pass rushers that can do damage late in the game. We talked about O.A. Uh, yeah. this week on the
1: podcast uh, in that uh, in that fashion. Penn State with a nice little uh, fourth and one stop earlier in the game, uh, wasn't sure what Idaho was really bringing to the table there, but they did a nice job uh, on that short yardage situation. Uh, not really tested otherwise. I thought Lamont Wade looked good. I mean, you, you didn't see a ton of him, but he, he seemed to be flying to the ball. Seemed to be, you know, if, if you're judging from the box, you know, seemed to be thinking a lot less. He was always around the football, uh, making some plays. Uh, Garrett Taylor, thankfully, did not get ejected after the first play of the game. That was which quite the start. I mean, I, you know, you know how I feel about that rule. Um, but for them to be able to review it and overturn it and and do the right thing and keep him in the game, uh, that uh, I guess that's a step forward in that in that ridiculous rule. So um, uh, defense as a whole, not sure what you can take away from it. They were just going after that, uh, you know, those quarterbacks for for Idaho. It was. It was tough sledding for them.
0: And look, what we said was the expectation for this game should be that if this defense is what we think it is and what they've told us they can be, then they should be in the mix for a shutout. And again... Mac Hippenhammer doesn't have trouble filling that punt inside the 25-30 yard line, uh, you're probably looking at a 79 nothing situation. So I thought they did their job, and they got a chance to get a lot of guys experience. And, and really, I think they come away, and, and Franklin says they feel like they can truly go three deep at, at both defensive end positions, and they're starting to get a sense that they can maybe do that at defensive tackle. It sounds like that's maybe a stride behind, but... Judge Culpepper got his first collegiate reps today. Um, so did Aeneas Hawkins, and we saw Fred Hansard out there, but you know, a lot of P.J. Mustapha as well. He was in there for the second series, and um, you know, I, I think right now, you're, you're again, you, you want to get to the point where when injuries do happen, then you feel pretty comfortable about going to a third stringer because how many colleges, programs across America, when they have to go to a third stringer, are they just crossing their fingers and gritting their teeth? Worth noting, no, no Damian Barber
1: today looked to be an internal uh, thing for Penn State. Um, but he was in pads. He was there. Uh, Donovan Johnson was not in pads. Of course, he, he was suspended. Uh, moving on to the special teams. I mean, this is what we're doing right now after game one. We're nitpicking the, I guess, third string punt returner. Third string, yeah. So, Mac Hipponhammer may lose that job. Uh, he had two fumbles today. One was a muff to... Uh, and and <laughs> this is funny because I talked up Idaho's punter all week long, and then they come out with this strategy where they're going to rugby kick and essentially try and hit it off somebody's back. Worked once. He got yeah. John Reed once, and it got close to a couple of other ones. Um, but it was just an, a very interesting strategy. Uh, Penn State, of course, probably not going to see a situation like that. But uh, KJ
0: Hamler was like a shortstop out there. A few of those times, going for some of those.
1: He balls. was, and he caught he caught one over the shoulder, and was uh, was crazy to crazy to watch. Uh, but I'll, I'll go back to Jordan Stout. Oh yeah, I mean he was can't he, get enough of this kid. He was as advertised. I think he put all but one uh, kick kickoff into the end zone. I think the, what, the second kickoff or the third kickoff guy did a fair catch at like the two. So. That's it. That's the weapon that you want. I mean, you're That's the choice that you make. You're gonna make them start on the twenty-five every time, which you know you'd love to pin them down as far as you can. But at the at the alternative is somebody breaks a big one, somebody brings them back. So uh, I think Mr.
0: Stout earned his scholarship, and uh, you know Penn State's gonna lean on him for the next couple of years. I tweeted. I think uh, seven minutes into his Penn State career, he had he had had two touchbacks and kicked a fifty-three-yard field goal, and I had a lot of people. Virginia Tech fans, it seems, tweeting at Virginia Tech reporters and saying, "What the hell happened? How did this kid get out of get out of Blacksburg?" So yeah, major benefit. And, and last year they had 37 total touchbacks. They had 13 today. Now clearly this is not going to be the the median or or par for the course in terms of kickoff opportunities. But yeah, and, and obviously now we know that that he is a long distance threat that they see in Jake Pinniger. Yeah, he, he did his thing in extra points. He he kicked a, a you know mid range field goal as well. And he told us on a phone call earlier this week that he feels comfortable from from you know beyond you know, forty nine and, and into fifty. But I don't know what the range is with but that was a fifty three yarder and, and and it was pretty impressive. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't much doubt in that one. And Pinnegar's got a strong leg too. Yeah. I mean that's that's uh... again the special teams now. Uh, it, 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 one game sample, one trying game, to keep perspective, one but,
1: game sample with Joe Lorig and Jared Parker and
0: both of them passed their test, you know, and we commented, we didn't get to see them because Stout boots the ball to the end zone. But you look across the way a guys who can attack a lot the of speed, returner, lot of lot speed. a lot of speed, a lot of blue chip talent. And I will say it may not have been a bit, maybe as big of a deal with those touchbacks in this game. But if you start, you're start, you going to start matching up against teams that can match you athletically and they have their own version of KJ Handler back there ready to break one, that's when it becomes a huge weapon. And you say, nope, we're going to nullify that guy, and you're going to take the ball at 25. Nine true freshmen
1: played today. Uh, that number does not include Stout and Weston Carr and Jaquan Brisker, three of the various transfers that came in. Both running backs, as we talked about, Devin Ford and Noah Kane. Brandon Smith, very impressive. Yes. And that that kid looks like he belongs in a college football uniform. Big kid made some big hits. I think he uh I think he had a targeting reviewed maybe at the end that, that, that didn't come out like that. Um, it's a rite of passage. Yeah, they had it, absolutely. <laughs> um, Lance Dixon played a lot of special teams, played some some linebacker as well. Along the offensive line, Caden Wallace, Salim Wormley played, Brenton Strange caught a touchdown, and Keaton Ellis uh, looked good out there. Oh, sorry, I missed one. Joey Porter as well, so 10
0: freshmen uh, made the were able to play their first action today. Right, and we talked about guys like Culpepper and Hawkins making their debut as redshirt freshmen. So again, that goes back to definitely three penalties. These kids... No, we're in high school last year, and, and now they're in front of well, I don't know what the attendance was. They've announced attendance with over 100, 104 was over a hundred thousand. One hundred four was four, But I, I mean, it, granted, however many people were here, that's a major intensity uh, jump in terms of, of, of the spotlight. Knowing you're on national TV, and Brent Strange is someone that we've talked about this off season. Came in ahead of schedule, has added that weight. They like what he's got, and I've said it before. If you don't have a, a Friar and 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 a steady veteran presence that they really like, this is a guy who's going to be on the field a lot for you, I think, and and. We'll see where it stands. He didn't get the green light, but uh, you know he's someone that I think I wouldn't be surprised if he makes them think as the season progresses. Yeah, I mean there's only
1: four tight ends on scholarship right now, and Firemouth, of course, uh, I guess we'll, we'll call him knocked out of the game. I mean I don't know what his situation would have been. Yeah, it's you know, hard to tell with a different opponent. Um, but you got Bowers and of course, uh, Zach Coons played some tonight as well, had a, a catcher too. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much the way any, any takeaways uh, that you have
0: just, uh, lingering thoughts coming out of this one. I think you got to be really optimistic. Uh, if you're if you're Penn State and saying, "Well, we just passed a test," you know that that we needed to pass internally. We needed to see our guys out there taking some live fire. Sean Clifford, you know, admittedly, dealt with some butterflies, some nerves that he had never. He said the last time he experienced that was at Saint Xavier in the state championship game back in 2016. So he's got that crossed off his list. Will Levis, I mean, I, I know we kind of we mentioned what he did, but that was important. He played a, a, almost the whole half, and he got hit a few times, and and he hit back a few times, and and you know that's all part of the process of this team growing up. And I, I've been saying for a while, for a team, the way they're composed, you throw this, you throw them at the 2021 schedule when you start at Wisconsin and then have Auburn week three, could be a, really a messy situation. But I think the way the schedule sorts out. They got a nice spot. If they can go game by game, they're never going to be able to. I don't think empty the benches like like they did today again. But Buffalo comes to town next week for this seven thirty matchup, and and then you've got Pitt, obviously, and but you got a bye week in the mix, and you got a road game at Maryland. These are all games that you should be considerable favorites in, and these are all games that should be stepping stones towards getting you to a point where. The, the the yeah, the K J handlers are really, really true veterans by the time you get in October, and guys like Keaton Ellis and Brandon Smith and Devin Ford and Noah Kane you really know what you're going to expect from them when the brights get when the lights get extremely bright. And I think today there was nothing that showed you they took a step back in, in, in regards of, of a maturity way. And now we'll see how they handle the win. That's the next thing. Now the staff needs to make sure that they understand how to handle a victory like this coming off a major high, scoring 79 points. They're gonna celebrate tonight. They deserve it. But especially for some of these first year guys, Go back to work tomorrow. That's something that we heard from Trace McSorley, uh, Marcus Allen a couple years ago, Nick Scott last year, Saquon Barkley... Got to come back to work tomorrow. We got to go watch the film. Even if we play great, there's things we can find. That's going to be the next step for this team. And it's going to probably surprise some guys. They're going to come in, maybe get chewed out for a few things tomorrow and say, we almost scored 80 points, but that's what it's all about. You got to be as buttoned up as possible if you truly want to compete for a conference championship. Yeah, it's about getting that experience. And they they have so much talent across this roster
1: and all all those guys played today. Um, but just get the getting the, the getting those guys the right experience, getting those guys in game situations, and you know, Will Levis threw the ball 14 times today. That's probably not uh, what you're looking for when you're up 50 points or whatever. Um, but to to get him that experience, to get those guys around him on the same page, um, th- things like that are are going to pay off in the long run. Um, I think that'll about do it for us. This is our. I have one more takeaway. Oh wow! Happy birthday, Sean. Hey, I appreciate Happy it. Happy birthday. Just getting older and older. <laughs> Um, but uh, thank you very much yep. um, it is our first post game show we're in a room that is not or is, is holding the sound very well and probably got some echo so our quality is probably not as good as we're going to have at some point so we apologize for that But hope you like the post-game show. As we mentioned this week, it's going to depend on how many people are listening to see if we're going to keep doing this. So hopefully you keep uh, tuning in. We're going to be back with you sometime this week. Monday is our typical recording day. That's a holiday. We'll figure out when we're going to see you this week. But uh, thanks for joining us on the Lions 24-7 post-game podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll catch you this week.